On this episode, Man Against Horse, Running in Jorts, and Cheese Rolling Racing. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Almost There Adventure podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by um, a, a pretty amazing athlete and a runner, hiker, uh, extraordinary person, just in general, Peter Mortimer. Peter, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, oh, and a quick show note: we don't have Jeff tonight. Um, uh, this is the time of year where it's hard for us to, you know, schedule stuff because everyone's actually out doing all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. So no Jeff, just me and Severia, but he will definitely be with us on the next one. So Peter, why don't you do a better job of uh, introducing yourself? Well, I'm uh, Peter Mortimer. I'm from Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm an ultra runner. Um, I've been running since 2010, um, ultra races since 2014, and uh, I just like doing harder and harder uh, stuff every year and keep pushing myself to the point where I find my breaking point. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that seems to be like a pretty far point. Cause I mean, just looking at the races you've done, I mean, you, you know, the, I know you've done, you did, which finished second in Cocodona, right. Um, last yeah. year. Um, you want, why don't you tell everyone what most our audience what, what about that race and what that is. Uh, so Cocodona, 250 is a point-to-point uh, -point race from Black Canyon City to Flagstaff, Arizona, um, where you cross through uh, Crown King, Prescott, uh, Cottonwood, Sedona, and then all the way to Flagstaff, all on trail. And uh, it's nonstop. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, I first became aware, same way I sort of uh, invited you here, is through uh, through Jeff Garmeyer doing it and Legend doing it. And, and I remember... Just talking to him, like the week before he was going to do it, I was in Flagstaff, and he was, you know, I'm like, I didn't even realize people did 250 mile running races. That just sounds crazy, and it's not flat, nor is it, you know, at low elevation. I mean, it's high elevation, and there's quite a bit of climbing, right? Oh yeah, this uh, about forty thousand plus. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just crazy. Um, well, how did you? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did you first, you know, start? doing this get into running and not just running but doing these kind of crazy long distance torturous events well i first got into running just to lose some weight um i was unhealthy at my heaviest probably around 250 pounds and uh when i started running i was probably around 220 and i just started going out one mile at a time and um it was exhausting <laughs> Um, and then my first year I did a half marathon and told myself I'll do a full marathon. And then it just kind of cascaded into, into this. And each year I've done something harder than the last. And, um, I continue to just push myself and hopefully inspire others to do the same. So when did you realize that ultras were sort of your jam? Like that you're like, this is like not just something I can do as a challenge and to push myself, like something I'm really good at. And then I'm assuming you would enjoy it based on your, your resume. <laughs> yeah. So I got out of, uh, I was doing some road races and I started to hate it. The too many people. So I got into uh, trail racing, uh, after my girlfriend told me to, to try it out. And, um, I was very humbled by how much harder it was. <laughs> I was a decent runner. I could run a good click, but I had to slow way down. Um, and so over time, I just kept pushing myself. And then I found myself gradually migrating from a middle of the pack guy to up front. And um, I'm trying to stay there. <laughs> and and like, how old were you when you first started running and, and doing the, the longer events? Uh, 30 years old uh, when I started running. Um, it must've been 34 when I did my first ultra. So that's not really young to start this kind of thing, is it? I mean, that's, you know, is that more, it's probably more common in this, maybe in this world though, right? I feel like a lot of folks find running later in life, probably enjoy it more. <laughs> I hated it when I was a, a child, you know, 
I would play tennis and um, soccer, and um, that was the worst part about any sport for me. Um, I had friends that did cross country, and um, the thought of running three miles was just like, that's crazy. And now I roll, roll out of bed for three months. <laughs> so what was your very first trail run race? Uh, I did a, oh, I did an adrenaline night race, I think. So funny story about this is, uh, I can't remember the distance. It was maybe a 25 K or something. It wasn't very long. Um, but I showed up at the race, uh, hours before getting prepare myself. And, um, I got called into work, um, as soon as I arrived. And so I had to leave the race, go all the way across town. Um, and I work in the medical industry, uh, in surgery and, uh, so I was like, well, this is it. It's over my race, you know, done for the day. So I'm going to just eat a double cheeseburger and mozzarella sticks <laughs> and just drip my way of drowning my sorrows at that time. And, uh, after eating, I went back up to surgery and the case had canceled. And I looked at my watch and I was like, I can make it, I can make it back. So I floored it back across town. I made it to the start line, like with a minute to spare and started the race and had the absolute worst race of my life. <laughs> I fell multiple times. I'd never run at night before in the desert. I landed in a cactus and, um, I ended up only doing one lap and DNF'd. Um, but it was the best experience of my life. And, uh, I was hooked the atmosphere, the people, I knew this was something I wanted to do. Okay, so my first trail run race is this weekend at Broken Arrow. I'm doing the 26K. <laughs> any any words of wisdom? I mean, I'm doing it for fun. I, I, the word race, we'll put that in quotes and the fact, and running is also in quotes, but um, yeah. Have you done the course I, before? I have not, and um, I'll be doing it for fun also because I have a bigger race the following weekend. So, um, but yeah, just go out and take your time and enjoy it. You know, you'll probably see me there snapping pictures. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I think you two need to race then. I think you guys need to like, you know, have some kind of a bet or something, you know, as to who, who, uh, yeah. <laughs> who's going to go Bring faster. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking at your times and I'm pretty sure that you're, I'm like literally your 50 K times are close to what my 26 K times are going to be. So even on a bad day for you, I'm sure it won't be, <laughs> it won't be an issue. <laughs> Well, I got the long legs. That's my excuse. So it's like, it's like half the distance. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I have a couple of questions on your races. So man against horse, who yeah. usually wins man or horse? Um, horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, that, so that was my first 50 miler. Um, it's a real special race to my heart now. And I go back every year, whether I'm running or volunteering it. And, um, but the idea of running against horses is phenomenal. And there's only another, there's one other race in the world, I think in Ireland that does it and it's a 25 mile. Um, so to have something locally, that's, you know, it's really, really cool, but yeah, they, uh, they'll, they'll beat you on the, um, uphill, but on the downhill, they not quite as fast. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, how yeah. does that kind of work just in general? Like, you know, do they set you off at the same time? Because, I mean, obviously, if it's a trail run, they're pretty narrow and, you know, horses are not small animals. Yeah. So we go off at the same time. Um, they have vet checks like we have aid stations um, and they have to hold them for the animal safety um, and like heat exhaustion, that sort of thing. So because they have a harder time cooling their bodies. That's why as humans, we're able to outrun them over, over the distance. Um, and, uh, I've, I've beat them into the finish line before, but in overall time, they normally end up winning when you subtract their vet checks. Um, there's only, uh, one guy I know, uh, Nick Curry, that's, uh, beaten him overall and he's, he's phenomenal. I was in Prescott last year and I met a woman who actually does, she races on the horses. So I yeah. just learned about it last year and I was yeah. like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. It, it, it's such a unique race. It's yeah. and, then, and, and she said there's a lot of strategy because you do it like the horse, to your point, the horse is overheating and all that kind of stuff. So it's different. Um, and they can't talk to you and tell you like, I'm having a bad day. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm having a good day. <laughs> How did yeah, that get absolutely. started? That's such an interesting concept. Do you know when it first started and, and, and like, you know, how long has it been going on? 
Oh, that one's, uh, I can't remember the day. It's, it's one of our, the oldest races in Arizona though. So, um, and it's, um, still, it's not hugely popular out here. I mean, we try and bring more people, people out and it's kind of one of those grassroots races that flies under the radar, but it's definitely gaining some momentum over the last few years. But, um, Ron and Stacy Barrett who, uh, host it are just, um, great, great people. And they do a, a throw on a great event. And, um, that's why I keep going back. And I, every year I bring as many people as I can just to share this experience. And for a lot of people I know, uh, including myself, it was their first, you know, 25 or 50 mile race. Well, and how many horses, like how many people and how many horses? Um, so it, it varies, but generally for 50 to a hundred, uh, runners. Um, and then, but they have, they have 12, 25 and 50 mile. Okay, so my other question is the Barkley Fall Classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Barkley. It's a whole thing. So the Barkley Fall Classic is uh, held in September. Um, it's held by um, uh, Gary Kentrell, Lazarus Lake, who's, who also hosts the uh, Barkley Marathons. Um, it's uh, what you call the mini Barkley or the baby Barkley. So. Um, for people that have seen the Netflix documentary on the, the Barclay marathons, which is the full, you know, 130 mile race, um, it's a chance to kind of taste, um, the course, um, a lot of people want to do the big one, but, um, you really need to go out and just try the 50 K first. Cause most people don't even finish that. Um, most barely finish the marathon and then, or, and don't make the cutoff for the 50 K. So the 50K has, um, I want to say, 14, 15,000 vert, something. And um, I went out there to win the t golden ticket, which will get you into the big Barclay, but I uh, came up short, second place. <laughs> but I did end up uh, running the big Barclay the following year. Oh, that's great. So would that have been yeah. 2020 or... Tw well, they didn't do it in 2020, uh, right? It was 2021. Yeah, it was 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That was the same year yeah. Jeff did it, right? Uh, Legend did it. That's how we met. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. I mean, you know, you know he, uh, <laughs> how, how far did you make it in the, in the Barkley Barkley marathon? I had a disaster of a race. <laughs> um, so I was actually right behind Jeff at the beginning of the race. So um, it started at like one o'clock in the morning, the, the conch was blown. It was raining, you know, and, um, by the time I had gotten up and got ready, um, someone had banged on my van to wake me up and I went up to get my watch and get everything ready. And I look at the start line, everyone's getting ready to go. And you normally have an hour to get ready. And it had only been like 15 minutes. So I frantically grabbed my stuff and I just went to the start line and then took off and ended up right behind Jeff and, um, about a mile or two up, I realized that I didn't have my bib. Um, and bib's very important because you gotta know your page number. And I'm digging through all my paperwork and I'm cussing and swearing. And I'm like, I didn't know Jeff at the time. I'm like asking him, I'm like, do you have a list of the bib numbers? And he's freaking out and I'm freaking out and I'm dropping F-bombs and he was getting super anxious. And uh, eventually after a few miles, I'm like, I have to turn around. So I turned around, went all the way back to start line, uh, picked up my bib, went back out and managed to catch the last person at the top of the hill um, and proceeded to get absolutely lost because the uh, fog had rolled in. I had 10 foot visibility and um, I ended up going up the wrong side of this embankment and ended up at a church outside a park. <laughs> um, oh Lord. So I did a roundabout all the way back and uh was actually the first to tap out which was very defeating for me because um i trained for years for this race and one fatal mistake just cost me and um but i think without no no one finished it that year i think did anyone even do a loop that year because they have the two distinctions right you have a loop and then you have the, the full or fun run right and then you have the 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 yeah maybe break that down and i just remember from the dock i'm sure you have a better <laughs> explanation um, of that jared and luke finished the fun run um that was it yeah <laughs> everyone else was uh tapped out. i mean the weather was just like horrendous but without 
um, especially as a virgin going in without knowing someone that knows a course to follow and, and kind of help you out. It's you're, you're running blind. And are you going to try again? Are you trying to, to do oh, yeah. it again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going back. I, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake twice. And, uh, you know, Laz, you know, he jokes that I made the FKT, uh, record going to Gobi church, but, um, <laughs> I'd much rather finish loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite race out of all the ones you've done? I mean, that's obviously a unique one, but out of all like the courses and distances, like what's just sort of one that stands out as your favorite. Um, the dragon's back race against across Wales was, uh, one of my favorites. Um, that was really special to me because, uh, you know, it's, a 200 mile race across the whole country. Um, it's a stage race, which um, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I, I like doing these things just like point to point, um, but, or in like one sitting, um, but it was definitely one of the hardest races I've ever done. That 200 mile race had uh, 60,000 feet of climbing. And um, it was uh, it was all navigational, map and compass, um, no markers. <laughs> I mean, they had checkpoints, so you had to check in. And um, but at the end of the race, uh, my dad was at the finish line because um, I grew up in, in the UK and I hadn't seen him um, in in years. And it was, you know, at that time, um, my mama passed away just uh, like months prior. So I was emotionally like it's it was very very good for me to see him and to and to have friends kind of follow along the way and. Um, and just kind of be back in my homeland. So, you you don't have uh, I'm not getting any accent. What, uh, how old were you when you moved here to the United States? So the first time was uh, eight years old, um, and then um, I moved back. I, I graduated high school in Italy. I lived over there for five years, so I've, I've moved around a lot. And um, people joke because when I have a few too many glasses of whiskey, it, I guess it slips out. But <laughs> or when I'm tired. But I, I really, it's nothing I have control of. Yeah. Well, this might be the most important question of the whole thing then. Scotch or Irish? Scotch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so I know where we stand. All the way. Just so we know where we stand. All right. Okay. All right. Oh. <laughs> um, is that the only run you race you've done over there or international one or, or have you done more? No, I've done a hundred kilometer race in Hong Kong. Um, I did uh, the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, um, which is uh, starts in France, goes through Italy and uh, Switzerland, and you just do a giant loop around the mountain. What year um, did you do that? Uh, twenty eighteen. Okay, I was hiking yeah. in twenty sixteen when the run, when the race was going on, and oh, so we stayed special. at the Bonatti Refuge <laughs> on the day that like all the runners were coming through the Bonatti Refuge. It was awesome. Yeah, it's uh, those races out there are something else. I mean, the crowds come out from the towns and line the single track all the way up the mountains. And you, all you hear is yeah. a lay, lay, lay. And you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh, something to behold. We were watching like the helicopters, like they have aid stations at the top of these mountain passes. And we were literally watching the helicopters like carry in, like hanging from the bottom of these helicopters, like the big aid station supply I don't even know what you call it, bundle. It was like these big wrapped giant like pallet sized things. It was awesome. Well, it was just, the whole thing was super cool. And like people were flagging as we were, as we were home walking. Yeah. <laughs> Getting ready for now. It's um, the, the weather conditions up there. I mean, it's a real true mountain race. And um, the year I did it, it started raining at, before you even started the race. And uh, about, uh, I don't know, several hours in a blizzard hit. And um, I was at the top of one of the climbs out of Cormier and um, I had about 20 foot visibility through a blizzard on top of this mountain and then just trying to survive essentially. <laughs> so it's those types of races are what I live for. Yeah. Well, it seems like there's more, I mean, speak to, I don't know. If, do you, it seems like there's more interest and sort of more support and it's more of like a professional thing in Europe, right? Than it is here um they they just run things much differently um it's it's funny if you look at the athletes they're all kitted out in these you know sharp uniforms and like bikers um all of them use poles um the aid stations are run differently i feel like 
in the States, things are a little bit more cavalier. People wearing flannel shirts or no shirts and just kind of rolling around with a bottle in their hand. People aren't using poles or wearing jorts. <laughs> so have you done any, any what's the longest run you've done in jorts? Uh, I did. Well, I, I paced a friend in jorts once. <laughs> Thank goodness for uh, squirrels, not butter. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. For those listening, I think you need to explain what jorts are. Not everybody may know. They're just uh, jean shorts. Uh, the, my, the ones I have were actually uh, women's. <laughs> so they were like kind of booty shorts, but um, I dressed up with this uh, wig and I was kind of channeling my inner hair band, I guess you could say, um, and uh, playing some music, trying to get my friend to uh, his first 100K finish. And um, I told him, I'm going to embarrass the crap out of you and make you run faster. And that's how you're going to get to your finish line. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Pro probably like help keep your mind off of right everything, right? The yeah. pain, the suffering, the exhaustion, right? A little bit, you know? Oh, we had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and that's kind of an interesting thing too. Now, do they have pacers? Like to the Mont Blanc, are you allowed, do you have pacers? Cause that's kind of an interesting thing that you don't see in, in most other kinds of racing, right? Um, that race, no, um, there's lots of races that allow it. Um, but many that, that don't. So it just depends on the, some races just like to keep things difficult and, uh, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. Great. Why don't you, again, I think most of our, our listeners probably know what a pacer is, but why don't you just kind of talk about what a pacer is, the experience and how you become a pacer and so um for 100 mile races for example um pacers are normally allowed right around the 100k mark 60 60 miles 62 miles in and um they're basically there for support they're not allowed to carry anything for you give anything to you you just kind of like run along with you and kind of help motivate you so um they really um come in handy at night when things are getting, you're really tired, you're trying to stay awake and it's somebody to talk to um, and push you. Um, but, it, you know, there's an art to being a pacer as well. Um, you can't just sit there and tell, let the runner do whatever they want. You have to kind of push them, motivate them because, you know, there's times when you just want to quit and a good pacer will tell you, like, keep going, you know, no time to, you pay, you paid to be here. You need to keep moving. So um that's that's the sign of a good pacer in my opinion yeah definitely cheerleader part cheerleader motivator like yeah and then absolutely. from a race director perspective it's also safety right so like yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of a neat thing though right like it's like because it's all like like you've won races and yet you'll still go out and help a friend you know, and, and run along with a friend for a little while. So it's kind of a neat community thing about the sport. Yeah, the camaraderie in trail racing is much different than you'll find in uh, road racing. Um, you know, you go out on a road race and there's thousands upon thousands of people. Um, for me, when I finished, all I want to do is get out of there. During the race, it's just so you're just trying to finish as fast as you can. Um, the trail races, you're spending hours and hours with people. You're going to see these people multiple times during the race, back and forth. You're going to share stories and make friends and, um, you know, and it's such a small community too. There's not very many of us overall that are doing these races. So when you go to the next race, you'll probably run into somebody you've seen at a prior, prior event. Yeah, it feels like it's pretty common in that ultra community to like sort of to be a racer and be an athlete, but then also give back pacing, volunteering, crewing. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, well, I've done some ultra, um, ultra, ultramans and ultra double iron mans. And it's very much like that. It's like, you know, people are, you see them racing and then the next race they're crewing and vice versa. And it's a very tight community. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to give back. And, um, a lot of races too, they re require trail maintenance. So, um, you'll have to go out before you go to your hundred mile race. You have to serve eight hours, uh, doing trail cleanup of some sort. And um, so it's a good way of giving back to the community. And Peter, I noticed uh, you started coaching as well. Why don't yep. you talk a little yep. bit about what got you into coaching and how long have you been coaching for? And yeah, let's talk about that. So yeah, I, um, you know, people tell me I'm a good motivator, inspiration, that sort of thing. And uh, about two years ago, I thought, well, this might be something to kind of look at. And um, I've been coaching a little bit under the table for 
about a year and a half with just a few friends and um, to see if I like it. And I started my business a few months ago. Um, I'm hoping in several years to get out of the medical industry because I've been doing it since I was 18 and I'm 41 now. So I would like to uh, get out of the hospital and um, hopefully do this at least uh, full time uh, one day. So um, I really am inspired by others um, that that got me into doing this. And I just want to do the same. I want to give back. And I, I feel like anyone could do these races. Um, it takes training and discipline and uh, structure. And that's what, you know, having a coach is all about. You need having someone to push you and kind of tell you what to do. Um, it's up to you to, to execute the plan, obviously. But, you know, I've uh, seen some great growth with the people that I've worked with so far. And um, I've taken on uh, quite a few athletes since uh, opening up my coaching business. And um, uh, four of them are going to be doing the Mogollon 100 race in uh, September, which I'm really excited about. And I'll be out there crewing for them and giving back. And um, I'm really excited to see them all crush it because that is a beast of a race. <laughs> I beg to differ on anyone can do it though. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't, I really don't think my knees would let me do that now. So, you know, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Like yeah. I've done Ironmans and people are like, how do you do that? I was like, you have a plan and you don't do it off the couch, you know, like you right. have to, there's a lot of time and training to make sure that you don't get injured. And I mean, I mean yeah. it may take up your entire life. <laughs> yeah. You may have no life at the end of it, but it's doable. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, an okay runner when I first started. I mean, I, I ran fast, but not by marathon standards by any means. And even when I got into trail running, I was middle of the pack guy. And um, I just kept putting in the time, putting in the work. And, um, you know, I guess on some level, I may have some natural ability, but I definitely had to change my diet, you know, and nutrition. Um, I've had ups and downs, not including the mountains I climb. And, um, <laughs> it's just, it takes, it takes a lot of work and time and, and you're going to have injuries. That's another thing, you know, yeah. it's just part of the running world. Have you had a coach as a runner? Yep. I've had, uh, two coaches. I still have my second coach. Um, my first coach was James Benet, um, and he's based out of Phoenix and he ran his first, I think hundred mile at 12 years old. Like that, so, <laughs> so mind blowing. Oh <laughs> um, but it, it, I didn't have a coach for the first few years I was running, and then I realized kind of I had maybe had some potential, and so I again I needed some structure, so I worked with him for years. Um, and then when I moved to Flagstaff, um, I took on a new coach, uh, Eric Sensman, and um, I've been working with him for the last few years, and um, you know, I think different coaches have different things to offer. Um, when I was with James, I was trying to get into the longer distances and, um, you know, he really helped me with that. And then Eric's really great at the, you know, speed and, um, really fine tuning, um, for my training and he pushes the hell out of me, <laughs> which I'm very thankful for. There's days where I'm like, I just, he's going to break me, but, um, no, I'm, you know, that's why I stick with him, you know, and I, like tell anyone that if you want to do better, get a coach. Well, it's also the accountability factor, right? You have someone that you're accountable to and you, and you do the training plan, you know? Yeah. It's like a gym membership. It's yeah. you're paying for it. So, you know, it, but it's up to you. But the gyms don't call you when you don't show up, right? They just cash your check. And, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Generally the idea of the coach is there, if you don't get up in the morning and do the work, they're going to be on your, be on your ass to, you know, keep you moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see my, you know, my athletes, I can see what they're doing every day, um, through, through our, our training app. And, um, you know, I can, if they're down for a few days, I'm like, what's going on? You know, are you sick? You know? <laughs> and like how many miles a week do you train normally? Like what's, what's a normal training? I guess it would be different times of year and whatnot, but let's say you have a race in a month. What does your, your training look like? My low weeks are normally around 60 to 70 miles a week. Um, as I lead up to a race, I'll go anywhere from 80, 90 to 100 miles a week. Hmm. I don't is, do a lot of, go ahead. And is that like seven days a week, six days a week, five days a week? How do you, how do you break that up? Normally about six days a week. Yeah. I liked having a day off. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, even on my days off, though, sometimes I'll just go hike. Yeah. Well, and I, you have a family, I believe, right? And, and, and another job. I mean, that's, that's, how do you, how do you schedule that? Like, how do you, what time do you get up in the morning to do the runs and, and all of that? Or do you do them at night? Uh, I, I'm, I'm an early riser. I get up about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, generally, um, working in the OR, um, you're generally there really early. So, um, I try and just schedule around work. My, my work, life can be chaotic at times. Um, I could be working in the morning in the afternoon. So I really just try and balance, balance it out. And then, um, obviously with my son going to school and then, you know, um, my girlfriend too, she's, she's got different hours. It's just, it take time when you can get it. And I've, I've had such a chaotic work schedule for so long. I'm used to it. So I always have a bag with me packed and luckily I get to travel to all these different great towns in Arizona. Um, and if I'm driving through Sedona on the way to work and I have time for a run, I'll just hop out of the car and grab some miles. <laughs> and Flagstaff is so pretty. It's such a nice, that and alone, it's just it's such a nice area, you know, to, to, to live and run in. Yeah, it's a uh, trail running Mecca, we call it. <laughs> we have access to the Grand Canyon 90 minutes away. Sedona is about 30 minutes away. Um, in the, win in the winter, we can go up and ski, and um, or if you want to go down to Phoenix for some sunshine, it's an hour and a half. It's not too bad. How's the recent fire? Is that is it under control yet? Um, as of this morning, it was about thirty percent containment. Okay. Um, the wind stopped, which is great, um, but it was unbearably uh, bad air conditions today because all that because the wind was pushing all the smoke out, and now it's just settled. Um, but we're looking forward to, we're supposed to have some thunderstorms this weekend, which will hopefully, you know, bring on the rain and moisture and, and help alleviate, um, you know, some of the fire crews out there. Again, it's still somewhat of a niche thing, but it is growing quite a bit, right? It's become a much, in the last few years, even it, it, the trail running and these, this ultra races, and it has become a much, you know, gotten a lot more visibility. Do you think like, um, how do you feel about that? I know a lot of people, it's similar in like gravel racing with the bicycles, people are kind of, you know, it's it's like bemoaning the success of it a bit, right? Like when you start getting more and more people in it, you know, things do change. How, how do you feel about the state of it now and where it's going? Do you think it's going in the right direction? Do you think, you know, do you think it needs to manage its growth at all? Yeah, you know, I, I'm fine with it growing. I mean, the only issue is a lot of these trail races are limited because they have permits that they only allow a couple hundred people to run these races. So it's going to be a lot harder for people to get in and do these like races, especially the older ones. Um, you know, Western States, for example, took me seven years. Um, I'm running that in, you know, a week and a half and, um, I'd be glad to just check it off the list. Cause, uh, you know, let someone else have a turn because, you know, it took, it takes forever and you have to qualify every year. And, um, it's grown with social media and now we've got live streaming and um, it's great for the sport because it's kind of showing everyone that there's more than just the road running and um, there's, it just gets people outdoors and, you know, into the forest. And, um, but you know, the other side of that is, yeah, like with popularity, it becomes busier, but there's so many races out there and I try and tell people to branch out and, get out and do all there, there's new races every year. So there's always something to do. Um, try not to do the same thing all the time. And, um, some people like to do the same races over and over and over. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm consider myself a one and done guy. Um, and a lot of that is just to give someone else the opportunity to go run this race. And, um, I think as, uh, in the next four to five years, that's going to be even more prevalent because, uh, some of these races, it's just going to be impossible to get into. Yeah, like lotteries and that kind of thing. Um, I have a question about Broken Arrow. So you said, so you're doing Western States, which is huge. So Broken Arrow is just like a shakeout run for you. So what distance are you doing as your shakeout run, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> the 26K. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> That's what you're doing too, right, Severia? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to expect like a picture of the two of you so we can share that on social media when we push we'll this episode. Yeah. Find each other. I, have, yeah. I may or may not be wearing a tutu. I haven't decided how seriously I'm taking myself yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you're out on Friday too, I'm doing a talk on altitude yeah. training. So 
Come on. Yeah, up. I saw that. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> yeah. be up there. We're we're actually leaving tomorrow to drive down. So. Ooh, exciting! Awesome. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Um, so, a question: Eight more miles. That's is that. I'm assuming that's the name of your coaching business. Yep, that's so correct. So, um, what's the story behind it? I feel like there's got to be a story behind it. Um. So, every Thanksgiving, um, normally the weekend after Thanksgiving, I I take uh, a bunch of folks out across the national trail in Phoenix. I've done it for about ten years now. Um. And I think it was like the first year that we did it. Um, it's a it's a 15 mile trail that goes all the way across South Mountain, um, kind of a point to point. And I set up car drops, and it's really an amazing trail. And um, we just stay together and we take photos. Um, but uh, yeah, the first year I set it up, I had a car drop, and um, at the end, and they had this construction going on, and we're you would normally park, I couldn't. So I had to park several miles down the road. And I'm like, man, it's just gonna add on some extra mileage to these folks. I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything. You know, they can do it. I'm, I'm just gonna keep quiet. And so we got to the spot, which is normally like the halfway mark. And they asked me like, how much further? And I'm like, eight more miles. I'm like, okay, great, great. Everyone's motivated. And a few more miles later where, you know, the heat starts kicking in and everyone's looking at me like, how much further? And I'm like, eight more miles. <laughs> And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> so it became a quote unquote running joke amongst friends. And, uh, you know, I just had some hats made and it kind of became my running mantra. You know, um, I kind of, I actually, um, uh, copyrighted the eight more miles logo and, uh, had some hats made. And now, um, I give them out whenever anyone helps me crew on a race or, um, if I'm pacing them on a race or just kind of like as a way of kind of giving back and showing that, you know, like anyone can do this stuff. And, um, and also I get lost a lot. So there's always a chance I'm going to do eight more miles. <laughs> it, it sounds, it sounds very familiar to, to, to maybe a documentary I may or may not have been a part of where the title comes from how much further, you know, that, so basically yep. that, that sounds like a very similar, uh, refrain. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that, that ethos when it comes to running and that kind of thing. Um, so like where altitude training, I mean, you just live in the altitude, right? So it's kind of easy for you. Do you, uh, I mean, uh, flex at what, eight, 9,000 feet. How high is Flagstaff? So the base is at 7,000. Um, I do most of my running anywhere from eight to 10,000 feet. Um, and I'm locally, they know me as, uh, the Humphreys guy, because I like to go up to our highest peak, which is 12,600 feet. And um, that's kind of my mountain. That's where I do a lot of my training. And um, I'm trying to get up there at least on a once a week average. Each year, I pushed myself a little bit more. Um, but I keep getting set back with fires and closures and everything. But and doing it once a week is just it's tough on the body, but it's made me a stronger runner. So, um, hopefully at some point I'll get my 52 in in a year. I think last year I got in 37. <laughs> and do you have the FKT on it? No, no. Oh, well, no. on one side, okay. on one side I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Somebody yeah, took but, your home um, mountain. What's up with that, man? You can't let that stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the, uh, on the pretty side, I, I do have the fastest time currently up and down. Um, but on the, the steeper side, um, I think Jim Walmsley's got that, which he's in a league of his own. He's probably one of the best, best in the world at this point. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, you could like Tanya Harding him maybe, right? And then like <laughs> at least not, then at least the record doesn't get harder for you to break eventually, you know. You'd have to catch him first. Uh, good is, point. Good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. One thing, too, that's interesting, like, I think I was looking at the results from, from uh, uh, the your Cocodona when you finished second, and it was quite a gap. Like, there's pretty big gaps in, like, the top ten, right? I think, like, the guy that finished ahead of you, finished beach, was, like, four hours faster. Um, that's kind, yeah, of, yeah, it, kind of impressive, though, I mean, right? I mean, I, yeah. does it make it easier to, to, like, finish second if you it's, like, a four-hour gap than, say, like, a two-minute gap <laughs> or, like, a, a if you get sprint and beat at the line? Like, if you beat you by four hours, is it like, well, yeah, there then there was no way, right? <laughs> well, on the 200-mile races, that's pretty common um, to have that big gap. You're running for days on end. Um, I know Mike, and he ran a phenomenal race. Um, we actually ran together prior to that race, and uh, 
kind of talked about how we were going to approach it. And um, the day of the race, we were shared a few miles together at the beginning and it was just terribly hot. And um, he was like looking at me like, I'm going to get the F out of here. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to dial it back a little bit and deal with this heat. And, um, you know, I had at that time, I had a lot of people kind of tearing ahead of me and, um, I really just kind of held back and managed and, um, I pulled it back at the end of the race. Um, I think maybe if I had another 50 miles, I could have probably caught him, Yeah. but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's all about how you manage. And when you're running that far, it's, you know, little, little choices that you can make can be detrimental or they can be, you know, rewarding. What is your, now, what, how do you even approach it? Like, obviously this, you don't just go run 250 miles, right? You need a strategy. You need like, like a plan basically. Right. I mean, and obviously, you know, the great Mike Tyson line, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. But I mean, how do you approach, do you have different approaches for all of them or a similar approach? Do you go out fast, you go out slow. Like generally speaking, how do you, how do you, you know, plan these out? When I was working with James Bonet, and when I did my first 200 mile race uh, around Lake Tahoe, um, you know, I'd asked him, I'm like, how do I train for this? And he didn't really even know either at the time because he was like, well, I, you know, I don't know. 200 miles was still relatively new at that at that point. Um, so um, his idea, and which I still use to this day, is um, I go out and I camp somewhere over like a three day weekend and I just run 30 miles a day. And um, whether you run like all in one sitting or you, I would break it up over the course of the day, I'd run like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and I would invite people to camp out for the whole weekend. I'm like, come run with me for some miles and just, you know, whatever it is, I would get my mileage and you can do whatever you want. Um, and we camp out, we drink, we party, we'd have a great time. But, you know, I would just focus on trying to get those miles in. And, and uh, to this day, I still do it uh, like that. I um I do it a little bit crazier now. Um, I think the last time I trained, um, I did three trips to the Grand Canyon. So I did a rim to rim to rim the first day, and then the next two days I ran down to the river and back up, which is works out to about you know thirty, roughly thirty two thousand feet of climbing. And <laughs> um, but that's you know that's the type of races that I'm doing now. And and as far as the running for the climbing for the running part. Um, you really just kind of want to find that groove where you can run and have a conversation and just go all day. And that's really about slowing down. Um, you know, you're not running a hundred mile race. The time restrictions are so much longer. Um, and you really have to get into that aerobic cycle as much as possible. Um, and then there, the biggest, the biggest piece of it is sleep because you have to sleep at some point and that's what makes a rate peak. Uh, makes or break people at a lot of these races um my first 200 i think i slept three and a half hours my second i slept two and a half um and then this recent one i slept an hour and 40 minutes is it like yeah is it small chunks is it like how are you i mean it obviously it's all part of your strategy but yeah how do you yeah how and when I just, uh, i slept the 20 minutes the first night 20 the second and then an hour the last and um i you know i would just try and break it up that like that and um the shorter the naps the better um you try and stay out of REM sleep and you just get sometimes you just need five minutes sometimes you just yeah. i would sit on the side of a trail and i just dip my head down for five minutes i wake up and like <laughs> i feel great and you just go and <laughs> it's crazy to, to, to hear like that i know but um you know um even on this last one at cocodona um i was at the beginning of the race, uh, I took a five minute nap and it's, I, which I've never done that early, but the heat was so bad and we were running out of water. And, um, I found this little brush with a tiny bit of sh uh, shade and I was out for like five minutes and, uh, Maggie Guterro like comes by me and, uh, she ended up finishing, um, first in that race and, and, uh, as female and she's like, come on, Pete, let's get going. I'm like, all right, I'm up, I'm up. And, <laughs> <laughs> But you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So this is the question I always like to ask, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you people get tired about talking about it, but any good hallucinations? <laughs> um, so the last race, I was very lucid. So I was 
happy with my sleep and how I went. Um, I have seen, um, normally I just start talking to myself, um, or I hear things and I'm, I ask my pacer, I'm like, did you say something? And they're like, no. And, um, I, I have luckily haven't had any real bad ones, but, um, I've had friends that have, um, had some real severe hallucinations. Um, I think during Bigfoot 200, there was a, a lady, um, a van fan, she, thought she's getting sucked into a time vortex. And so she chucked her poles off the side of a cliff to, to save herself. Um, and oh. there was another guy too, they found on his GPS that was just sitting in the middle of the forest for a long time. And um, when they found him, he was talking to Coca-Cola bottles. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, like a couple nights sleep and they're back to, and then it's right. I mean, they're, you know, back to, yeah. That's that's crazy. That's such an interesting side to this. I mean, just the notion that you you guys people push themselves that hard, you know, to that to that level, you know, yeah. is, is, is just it's just crazy. Sleep deprivation, yeah. Sleep deprivation is worse than any drug. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the people I've talked to about it, uh, when I've talked to them, they they kind of enjoy it. You know what I mean? That it's interesting and not scary. You know, but yeah, I guess there yeah. are. It can be. I I guess I guess it sounds like you know. <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, he got approached by a mountain lion um, during Big Bigfoot, and is, you know, he was trying to, he, you know, saying like "shoe kitty, get away!" And my friend's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like banging his poles together, trying to get it out of there. He's, <laughs> you don't think clearly. No. I was like, wait, he was hallucinating that there was a mountain right, lion. Right, yeah, there was, was a real, real no, mountain it was, lion. It was there. He just wasn't thinking clearly. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> And then this is another one. Um, I've interviewed many people sort of in your thing. I, I did documentaries, a couple documentaries on the subject. Um, no one ever really will give like a straight answer. And you don't have to if you don't want to. But I feel like I have to ask, like, like how physically painful? Like, what does it feel like, like, a, you know, 180 miles into a 250-mile race? Um, you know, if you watch my video when I finished Cocodona coming down, I mean, I was sprinting. Um, I know... Part of that is like endorphins, but I move pretty well. I mean, it's really getting the right fuel in and running aerobically. Um, your feet, you know, foot care is super important. Socks and shoes changes. Um, I didn't have one blister after that race. Um, wow. You know, I just, I changed my socks once a day. Um, I try to keep my running form pretty good and um, thankfully don't have too many pains. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to be sore and Every time you leave an aid station, you're going to be like, oh, God, I can't do this. And then a mile later, you're like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the race is going to be fine, the 26K, but it's going to be the days after that are not going to be maybe quite so fine. I'm like, I know I can do the distance. Like, that's not a problem. Being able to walk the next week will be the will be the fun yeah. part. It's normally two days after. Yeah. You know, the next day you're a little sore, and then two days later you're like, yeah. oh, why oh. did I do this? <laughs> the wobble legs where you're like, you're going to stand yeah. up, your legs are like, nope. <laughs> yep. The best cop out answer I ever got on that was, well, you spend all your time mentally suppressing that. So, you know, or not thinking about it. So <laughs> it's true. But, yeah. Um, there's, there's many parts of races that I've blacked out. And, um, when I've revisited them, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're doing Western States in a few weeks. What are some other yeah. bucket, like what would be some bucket list trips that you haven't done yet or races, not trips, but races? Um, well, like I really want to travel more and, uh, do some more overseas races. Um, the, uh, Tour de Jean is probably going to be one of the biggest 200 mile races I'm looking forward to, but, um, probably 2024 for me, that's a 200 mile race, uh, in Italy and it's, um, 80,000 feet of climbing. Um, wow. it's probably the hardest 200 in the world. Um, next year I'm going to be going back to England, um, to do, uh, the, um, Montana spine race, which is a 268 mile race across England, which ends on the border of Scotland. And, uh, I was actually supposed to do that this year. And, um, when I got into Western States, um, I kind of cut into my plan. So I had to push it back a year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Cape town, New Zealand's yeah, there's, there's just so many and you know, I'm slowly checking them off. I want to do the hardest ones I can while my knees will hold up and then 
I can do the easy flat ones later. <laughs> and do you usually have like how many kind of key races that you're training for do you have per year? Is it like do you have like one goal race per year or is it a couple? Um, <laughs> so I'm a little bit abnormal with that. Um, you know, most people do one to two a year. Um, man, one year I did like a ultra every month. And in the course of, I think, six weeks, I did five ultras. Um, I do a lot of turnover. I'm starting to dial it back a little bit as I've gotten a little bit more competitive. And I think my coach likes that as well, because I'm able to focus more on a race and, you know, I can do decent racing multiple races, but really focus more and on some of the bigger races. And, um, you know, the ones I'm doing now are a lot more highly competitive too. So I just want to go out and give it my all. And, you know, I just, there are so many better runners than I am, but, but it's nice to see kind of how I stack up against them and, you know, see what kind of day I can have. And how long, so you said you're 41, like how much longer do you foresee like doing this? Do you think you'll always be a runner? You're just going to like taper off on the difficulty of the ones you do. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be the old man on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, a uh, good friend of mine, and uh, he's an amazing ultra runner, uh, Jeff Browning. Um, he's 50, and he's still, like, winning pretty much every 100-mile race he's going to. I think he's got the second most 100-mile wins ever. And uh, so, yeah, guys like that are who I look up to. Uh, you know, I've got years, years to go. And um, someone told me years ago that I have – or uh, a runner's prime is in their 40. So uh, I'd like to think that I'm just getting started. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? What's uh, what's a race that you guys want to do? <laughs> um, oh, no, that's fair. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Severia is doing one that you're going to be at in three days. So there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my knees are not happy. I did. I, I, I kid. I, I still do stuff. But like, I, I feel like the half marathon is my now is like my my sort of limit. And I did one in November. Uh, and that one was for me was hard because it's Joshua Tree and it was all sand. And like all uphill and that hurt. Um, but, uh, uh, and I did a marathon years. I, I, I think my running is, I, is done, but there's some cycling goals. I, there, um, uh, I've there always, you, um, you, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of Liege, Bastogne Liege, the bicycle race. Um, it's one of the oldest yeah. ones. It's been around, you know, the day before all these big spring classics and, and, and Tour de France and stuff, they have the, the, the sportifs, right? So you go and you, they let all the, you know, whatever the weekend warrior people go out and ride the course. And I've always kind of wanted to do one or two of those, you know, uh, that one, my friend kind of wanted to do it more than me. And I looked at it and we were going to try to do it. And then he had a kind of a mishap, a health mishap, but maybe that's not right for me, but that was the one we said we were going to do. So that's still the one in my head that I'd like to do, but it's short, steep climbs, which don't suit me. I'm not, uh, you know, I can get up things, but it, the longer, more steady ones suit I can do a little bit better or flat, right? I got to find a flat race to do. That would probably be the easiest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Severi, what about yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I have broken arrow, and it's funny. Like, I love trail running. I don't know if I like distance trail running because um, I like to do all the sports. And I feel like if you're, I feel like for me, running, like I have to train and like coach and like really commit to it. Um, and then everything, all my other fun things suffer. So, um, I just moved to Bend, so I'm loving the trails here. It's been awesome. Um, yeah. So I definitely think I'm going to be keeping trail running like in the in the queue of things. But after Broken Arrow, I don't. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Whether well, or not I do. And Severia's done. You've finished two what two Ironmans, right? I mean, that's pretty three yeah. three, three Ironmans. I mean, that's a pretty impressive yeah. thing to have in your you know yeah. you know. Yeah. That's you don't, super impressive. You, yeah, you don't yeah. need to do any. You can just do the the cheeseburger mozzarella stick things yeah. from here on out. You don't need to, yeah. you know. You know, you've already always, earned those. You've earned those. You don't need to do I always those. joke, though, because people are like, oh, you must love running. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. I yeah. run when there's, like, a goal and, like, a finish line involved and, like, it's, like, required to get to some place. But, um, yeah, but not necessarily. Um, yeah. Anyways, I had a Dean Carnassus uh, signed his book once for me, and he was like, "So you're a big runner?" I'm like, "Nope, that's why I'm here to hear you speak." And he said, "Run when you're not being chased. <laughs> Start right. running when you're Marathon not being chased." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and me, exactly. like, I actually yeah. like running and I enjoy it, but I'm really like not built at all for it. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not you know, I'm just even even skinny. Well, I'm not skinny now, but even when I'm skinny, I'm six three and I'm heavy and 
I'm more like a linebacker defensive end kind of person, you know, I'm like, you know, that, I was built that way, you know, so I can do the sure. endurance stuff and I enjoy it, but I'm not, you know, you know, I ride with my cycling buddies and they all weigh like, you know, a hundred pounds less than me, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm trying to keep up with them on the Hills and it's, I do my best, but you know, there's, there's the realism of what you could do, you know? You right. Know? Well, but, yeah, there's, but they couldn't tackle me, right? They couldn't tackle me. So there's that, right? That's yeah. <laughs> Peter, I have a question about your coaching. Um, what? Yeah. So if people are interested in coaching and people are interested in, you know, racing and having a running coach, what sort of, are there certain distances that you coach for? Or like, what are like, you know, yeah, are you focused on only ultras or yeah, what kind of, what kind of coaching are you offering um, if people are interested? So I'm pretty much offering anything, you know, any sort of distance, you know, couch to 5k marathon to ultra marathon. Um, you know, if you're looking to, um, I don't know, go to the Olympics for a marathon, um, I could probably point the direction of another coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely specialize more on the trail running side of it. Um, but you know, I've been running for a long time now and, um, you know, it's, it's all about creating a plan and, you know, anyone can go online and find a plan on running. Um, but it's just kind of about having that motivation and having someone to kind of just guide you. Um, but yeah, I'm working with a, a guy right now who's, um, not even running, it's just strict diet. So, um, he wants to lose some weight. And so I'm kind of helping him with that. And, you know, it's just, so whatever you're, you're looking for, um, Things like Ironman triathlons, um, I might branch out to that, but you know, it's I feel it's kind of unfair for me to coach someone when I haven't done it myself. So, you know, I'm gonna kind of stick to to what I know. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you're looking to just get out the door and run and then just whatever it is, you know, you know, look me up eightmoremilescoaching.com. So, um, awesome. Oh, and uh, one thing I was gonna. Uh, uh, talk about real quick. Um, so one of the things that I really remember that got me into running as a child was, um, have you guys ever heard of the cheese rolling competition? Oh, I love, yeah. The Netflix uh, has the, <laughs> this is insane. Have you seen this area? No. Oh, no, it's, no, no, no. what is it? Yeah. What is the Netflix show where they did like competition or, um, yeah, I, I can't oh, remember. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Cause it was so great. Yeah. The, go so ahead. it takes place, uh, in a town not far from where I grew up, we used to actually go out there and watch it. It's uh, it takes place on Cooper's Hill, and um, they have this eight-pound block of cheese that they roll down this hill, and everyone chases after it, okay. and it's really comical to watch. Um, but you know, it's no one ever beats the cheese, but um, they have you know they've had people just rolling and flipping over, and um, I often think you know maybe that's why I got into what I was doing, especially when I'm falling down on the side of the mountains. But, um, that's probably one of the things that I would love to do someday. Um, although I'm maybe getting a little bit too old for it, but maybe, <laughs> maybe after I've checked up all the other things on my bucket list and I'm not worried about breaking an arm, I might, uh, take a trip back home and, uh, visit that. But so if it's, you, the, it's, we are the champions. Ahead. We are the champions. Yeah. It's a series yeah. on Netflix. There's that one. I remember there's a chili pepper eating one. There's like a yeah. weird um, hairdressing one. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to, I don't remember all of them, but the cheese one was, and it was like a teenage girl that won, had won it like two or three times in a row. And oh, yeah. it's just insane watching the way they fall down that hill, though. That just looks nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, an American woman won it this year. Really? For the first time. Yeah. Wow. Um, they just had it, I think it was like a week ago. And, uh, but yeah, that documentary is something special because it kind of brings me back to where I grew up and um, the filming with the drone, um, especially at the end of the movie where it's literally panning down as they're running. It's just one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. And you're watching everybody rolling in just one single shot. It's just, it's phenomenal. So Well, there's always like at least one or two broken bones. In the, and, and Oh yeah. And it's not like completely opposite to everything else you've done. I mean, it's like, it's only like a, what, a 300 yard hill or something like yeah. that. It's not like a long yeah. race. I mean, it's over in like two minutes. It's just like two minutes of pure insanity of people. Oh, uh, less than a minute. It's, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Right. Yeah. Straight yeah. Down. <laughs> it's just so nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's so cool to watch. Yeah. That was a great one. That, that was we'll so definitely enjoyable. have to put that in the show notes. For yeah. Oh yeah. yeah it's, we'll, we're we'll checking it out. It. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> awesome. Um, and and did you run and 
you know, is it in England at all before you, you moved here or, or in Italy when you lived in Italy? Did you do any running then? No, it's what's funny is, um, you know, again, I, I think back to I'm like, what really kind of brought me out into the mountains? And uh, when, when I was in high school in Italy, like we used to, especially probably when I was my sophomore, junior year, maybe senior, we, we just my friends and I would plan like a skip day and um, we would just go out into we li lived at the base of the Dolomites. And we would just go up to the mountains all day and we just go out and explore and then we'd pack a lunch and just have fun. And, you know, it's, we did this, you know, all the time and it was, we rushed back to the bus and like, you know, hopefully get away with it, sign a fake note to our parents and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was just, uh, a way of going out and exploring. And, um, I think maybe that's, that's part of it too. You know, I just like going out for long hours and just getting away from everything. Yeah. Do you ever like slow hike? Do you ever just like backpack or just, uh, you know, just do a hike or is it pretty much only the running? No, I hike. Yeah. I, and I, you know, in my coaching, I incorporate that as well. I think it's a great, you know, you're still getting exercise. It's still hard. It, you know, running is just, or trail running is just fast hiking. So Peter, how can, how can people find you? Um, yeah, just, uh, if you're interested in my coaching, amoremilescoaching.com, um, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at PJ Mortimer. Uh, I'm on Facebook and, uh, Strava. If you like following the, uh, the running social media stuff and um yeah and if you're ever in the area and you're a, you know a runner and you want to check out trails i'm always opening to taking people out and uh you know oh. showing them you know the area and everyone's always nervous like oh i can't keep up and it's don't worry about that it's just go out and have fun and you know i get my training done on my own time so it's great to go out there and meet people and share these experiences. No, but it's, it's kind of fun. Like, again, I've done a few things with, with legend, you know, Jeff over the last, you know, we did Langley together and he waited for me. So, you know, I, I think again, if it's a friend or it's somebody cool, you know, they're most, I think most guys like you are used to going with people like me, normal mortals. And we'll, you know, <laughs> and we'll wait when it's well, time to wait, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> so one of my, one of my dreams down the road is, um, when I take coaching full time and um, I'm going to travel and just kind of do RV life. And uh, um, I want to just visit my other athletes around the country and run their trails and then maybe even set up races or events in other states and, and really just kind of like share the, share the trail love with everybody. So um, hopefully, you know, all this will build into to something beautiful, like down the road. Oh, you know, you did mention one more thing we should maybe bring up because you did mention it. I don't know that we've ever talked about it on this show, but you did mention Strava, which is kind of an interesting yeah. thing um, in the world. Do you want to just maybe tell tell our listeners what Strava is and how it works? Yep. Strava is a uh, social media app, uh, mainly for runners and bikers um, or hikers, walkers. I mean, you basically just log your activities um, and uh, people will sit there and you can comment uh, on other people's runs, follow other people. Um, and then it also logs all the trails that you do in segments or routes, and then you can actually compete against each other. So you can see who's got the fastest time on this segment from here to here. And, um, it can, uh, it's, it's the worst runner's drug there is. <laughs> I mean, you can really get into it and it can take over your life, but, um, it, for me, it's always been a great way of just tracking how how uh, you improve because it'll track every single time you do a segment or a route, and every time you revisit it, it'll say you've gotten faster, you've gotten slower, and you know at this point for me, years of of progress I can see, and it's kind of a it's kind of a nice thing to have. Yeah, I was an early adopter on that. Like right when it came out, me and my friend had it, and we were. We were actually good enough to have like really high rankings around LA and and I remember we had yeah. one we had the 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 fastest from Ventura to Ojai on that bike path for about like yeah. 3 months, you know. And then someone beat us by like a minute and we were all mad, so we decided we were going to go get it back and of course we were 4 minutes slower <laughs> in yeah. our attempt to get it back. And then someone yeah. whose name I recognized from watching the Tour de France on TV got it beat us by like, you know, 
15 minutes and then you're like okay so <laughs> now everything is yeah. now now i can't get anything now now i can you're like 500 600 you know 700 you know if you break the top 100 in a day it's exciting you know but it's a neat program mm. it's a neat and then again like you said it pushes you right yeah um you know funny story going back to uh jim walmsley the uh you know, ultra runner i was telling you about um he had the fastest time in this mountain in sedona that i go up and down and uh, one day i was like I'm going to try and be this time. And, um, I went up and on the way down, I, uh, took a bad fall, Superman down this boulder field and, uh, landed on my hand and kind of just bounced back up. I kept going and, uh, I beat him and I was so proud of it. And, uh, my hand was just throbbing and I just kind of wrapped it. And, um, couple weeks later, I'm like, you know, this thing is not getting better. And I was at work in the OR and I asked the doc, I'm like, Hey, do you mind just, uh, taking a quick x-ray? And he's like, yeah, it's broken. <laughs> so, and, uh, so about four weeks later, um, my buddy went up and beat me by like two seconds. And I was like, Oh, thanks for, uh, letting my hand heal at least before he went out and crushed my bastard. Time, so. bastard. What's his name? What's out him out him. Let's shame him here on, on the podcast. Oh, he's much faster than I am. Okay. <laughs> Peter, this has been so fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. I mean, everything you do is like super impressive. So very, you guys going to make plans now to where you can meet up for, for the selfie, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll find you. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, you're tall. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely flag me down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. That'd be right. awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, can't yeah. wait. I'll, yeah, I'll definitely try to find you. Well, that's going to do it for us. Just a quick update as I'm putting this together. The Western States 100 was yesterday, and Peter finished 31st overall. So, big congratulations to him. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. You can find Severia at adventure us women. That's adventure us women, Jeff at the SoCal hiker or me at the mirror project. Our title track almost there is performed by Opus orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On the next episode, we talk about real food with Kate Shade. As always, thanks for listening.